0: Hello, and welcome to Conversations from the World of Allergy, a podcast produced by the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. I'm your host, Dave Stukas. I'm a board-certified allergist and immunologist and serve as a social media medical editor for the Academy. Our podcast series will use different formats to interview thought leaders in the world of allergy and immunology. This podcast is not intended to provide any individual medical advice to our listeners. We do hope that our conversations provide evidence-based information. Any questions pertaining to one's own health should always be discussed with their personal physician. The Find an Allergist search engine on the Academy website is a useful tool to locate a listing of board-certified allergists in your area. Finally, use of this audio program is subject to the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology Terms of Use Agreement, which you can find at www.aaaai.org. Today's edition of our Conversations from the World of Allergy podcast series will focus on the upcoming American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology annual meeting, which is taking place from February 24th to 27th, 2023, in San Antonio, Texas. We are pleased to welcome Dr. Joshua Boyce as our guest for today's episode. Dr. Boyce is the Albert L. Sheffer Professor of Medicine in the field of allergic disease at Harvard Medical School and the Chief of the Division of Allergy and Clinical Immunology at the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts. Dr. Boyce has led a distinguished career in research with several NIH grants, over 100 original peer-reviewed articles, and his research focuses on mast cells and arachidonic acid-derived lipid mediators in the pathogenesis of asthma and innate immunity. But today, we're here to talk about his role as the chair of the Annual Meeting Program Committee for the American Academy of Biology, Asthma, and Immunology, which makes him the perfect guest to discuss the upcoming meeting. With that, Dr. Boyce, thank you so much for taking time to join us, and welcome to the show.
1: My pleasure.
0: No, I think this is going to be uh, a very helpful lead-in for those who are attending uh, both the in-person and virtual meeting. And I, I can only imagine how busy you've been over the last year and in getting things ready to go, or even year plus, I should say. And this is going to be the second in-person Academy meeting um, after a three-year hiatus during the pandemic. So we're still kind of getting our groove back in some ways. Uh, what are you looking forward to most?
1: So... This meeting has always been a highlight of the academic year for me and I think for most of our colleagues. And I think that makes it so special is that um, you have the opportunity not only to hear about the latest advances in the field and the cutting edge science, uh, but also to uh, meet and uh, reconnect with friends and colleagues from across the country and across the world and also to hear presentations from the uh, young up and coming stars in the field. Uh, And it uh, always has inspired me. And again, I think most of my colleagues, when we get back to uh, our uh, regular jobs, we're always pumped up and inspired and have new ideas for things that we wanna do. So uh, it's a really special event.
0: No, I agree. And, you know, last year I I had, and I know many others did as well, almost an emotional experience just seeing our friends and colleagues for the first time uh, in the midst of everything that we've been living through. So uh, I like that word choice of inspiration. I think that uh, many people have that same sensation after leaving the meeting. Speaking of last year's in-person meeting, which took place in Phoenix, it was very successful with the implementation of various health and safety measures uh, that were put in place. But it, of course, we were in a very different place in regards to the COVID-19 pandemic at that time. So what's the latest regarding you know this year's conference? Are there any vaccine requirements or safety protocols that will be in place for attendees this year?
1: Yeah, there'll be some similarities and some differences. Uh, you know, first of all, we will require everybody who attends in person uh, be fully vaccinated and to provide their vaccination uh, card or proof of vaccination at the time that they pick up their registration uh, badges. Uh, We will not require masking this year, although we will strongly encourage it uh, when people are in meeting rooms and in common areas. Uh, We won't be permitting uh, standing or congregating in the back of meeting rooms to minimize the risk associated with crowding. Um, and food distribution will follow the uh, CDC guidelines uh, at that time. In terms of spouses and guests, uh, they may attend uh, quad AI events, but they too need to uh, demonstrate proof of vaccination when they're picking up their registration badge. And for any international attendees, the requirement will be that they need to show proof of vaccination Uh, with a uh, vaccine that is approved by the World Health Organization. And anybody that wants more information can find uh, find it at the uh, Quad AI annual meeting website under health and safety protocols.
0: Okay, so it sounds like a very similar approach to make sure that we can make this very successful and, and hopefully safe for everybody. You know, at this point, and we're going to be releasing this in early February, which is a few weeks ahead of the actual meeting, uh, do you have any idea how many people that have registered already to attend in person as of yet? And can people still actually register? Uh,
1: Yes, we have uh, approximately 3,100 registrants, uh, which is about a 10% increase over this time last year. So we're very excited about that. And out of those uh, uh, 3,100, about 90% are planning to attend in person. Um, And since we are coming up against the deadline for early registration, which I think is February the 8th, uh, we expect that we will get a bolus of additional uh, early registrants, which happens every year. So I think it's quite likely that we will wind up with a larger audience than we did last year.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. And it's always such a, a, a busy uh, meeting in many ways. And we'll talk about some of the sessions and things like that. But it's good to hear that so many people are planning on, on being there. Well, what about if somebody, you know, paid the registration fee and they, they plan to attend in person, but either they change their mind due to, to whatever reason or, you know, something comes up and, and we live in a world with COVID now. And what if they test positive? Or they can't travel due to COVID related reasons. Uh, what can they do?
1: Sure. So anybody who uh, registered to attend in person can switch their uh, registration to entirely virtual at no additional cost. And you can do that through a link provided uh, in your uh, confirmation email that you received when you registered.
0: All right. Well, speaking of which, can you offer us some insight as the program chair into the decision to continue to offer virtual sessions in addition to the in-person meeting this year? I mean, you mentioned 90 percent of folks are, are planning on being there in person. But these virtual sessions, you know, why were they still included? And will this include only the live sessions that are taking place or are there going to be pre-recorded presentations like there were last year as well?
1: Good. So um, uh, we uh have uh, uh, uh arranged to live stream some of the higher profile sessions such as the plenaries they'll all be live streamed the uh keynote will be live streamed and i think there are about 30 additional sessions that will be available for live streaming and this was really done uh, uh with the folks uh in mind who cannot travel either due to uh, health issues or Due to geography, I mean, one of the unfortunate consequences of the pandemic is that uh, some of our colleagues in Europe and Asia, who ordinarily would be there every year, um, are not traveling, and so providing them with the option of seeing uh, some of the sessions in uh, live uh, was a decision that I think we all felt good about. Um, the other uh, thing uh, is that we have a very generous number of pre-recorded sessions. Uh, we decided that uh, this would be an opportunity to uh, provide additional uh, programming and additional educational content to the registrants with a minimal uh, upfront cost. Um, uh, because uh, the virtual sessions that we uh, programmed last year, that were pre recorded, were very heavily uh, subscribed and, and, and watched frequently. Uh, And we think going forward, this will be something that we can continue to utilize to beef up the programming a little bit and also um, experiment a little bit with some of the formats and uh, provide more uh, adult uh, learning principles uh, as the uh, board has requested from us.
0: Mm-hmm. And you know and I'm I'm honored to have been asked to per, to provide one of those pre-recorded presentations and it's interesting because you know it's on a topic that is near and dear to my heart about transitioning adolescence to to independence but it's not not something that maybe would have made it on to the the larger program in other years just because there's only so much space and so many rooms. Uh so is that sort of the thought behind it of some interesting ideas that maybe don't warrant a whole 90-minute symposium or something like that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I mean, I think a few years ago when the decision was made to cut it from a five-day meeting to a four-day meeting, the obvious consequence was that we couldn't program everything that we wanted to program. Mm -hmm. And so I think this gives us a a nice way of providing a home for some of those sessions that uh, didn't get programmed.
0: Mm -hmm. And what about those folks who will be there in person? Will they also have access to the the pre-recorded sessions either during or after the meeting?
1: Yes, they'll have uh, full access to all of those uh, starting on the uh, first day of the meeting. Okay, and, and 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 in fact, all of the content of this meeting will be uh, recorded and available to people right up until December uh, end of December two thousand twenty three, and they can continue to view it and uh, and uh, receive their credits for it.
0: Oh, thank you. Yes, excellent to know. Okay. Uh, now, I learned to ask this. It seems like a silly question, but during the pandemic with everything going virtual, I, I, I learned to ask this because I got fooled. Uh, what time zone should those who, uh, should people use when they tune in virtually for some of the live sessions?
1: Good. So, so every central uh, standard time, um, and that will include the times displayed in the meeting app, the final program, the online planner, et cetera. So uh, everybody should uh, set their expectations to Central Time.
0: Okay, great. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> um, you know, here's a question I, I love to ask because it, it blows my mind every year when it, when you kind of look at the entire program and agenda. Do you have a count of how many sessions, different sessions, will be available throughout the duration of the meeting, or or even how many hours of CME credits somebody can obtain?
1: You can obtain up to 240 CME credits. Oh gosh. And uh, also CE hours for nurses, and and this year we're also providing uh, pharmacy credit for pharmacists who wish to attend. So it's a very very generous offering in terms of
0: uh, CMEs. Okay, so that's that translates to roughly um, 240 hours. Is that yep. uh, yeah? That's wow. Yep. Okay. That's robust. Uh, The theme for this year's meeting is optimizing scope of practice. Uh, Can you offer some perspective as to why that theme was chosen? I know these are chosen somewhat in advance uh, and how this will influence the topics that are discussed throughout the meeting.
1: Sure. So that theme emerged uh, based on the results of the annual needs assessment that the Academy uh, conducts every year. Uh, and uh, solicits, uh, you know, topic areas from the Quadrier membership uh, that they view as most valuable to them as they uh, work to advance their careers. And uh, between the optimizing scope of practice theme and the president's special initiative on drug allergy, approximately twenty percent of this year's uh, sessions will fall under the heading of that theme.
0: Mm. And is that something that you, you're always aware of as you have, I know there's a huge team that plans this, is that you keep that in the back of your mind as you d- try to determine what sessions or even, you know, what titles you use, or how does that actually come into play as you're planning this?
1: Yeah, so this this gets into how the sausage is made, right? <laughs> uh, so so when uh, uh, when the interest sections sit down and look at the proposals that are submitted, um, they begin the process of picking out ones that fit particularly well with the beating theme. And then they bring those um, uh, to the AMPC meetings and we, uh, you know, go through them and make sure that we have a good, uh, obviously, you know, uh, terrific speakers, uh, you know, balance gender, uh, um, and gender diversity and, you know, senior people, younger people. Um, so that's sort of how the process works.
0: Okay. Uh, Speaking of uh, amazing speakers, this year's keynote uh, speaker is Dr. Peter Hotez, who will be presenting on Saturday, February 25th from 3.30 to 4.30 p.m. Central Time. Why was he asked to present and what topic will he be addressing?
1: Sure. So Dr. Hotez is a leading investigator in the areas of tropical medicine and vaccine development. And the title of his keynote uh, is somewhat provocative. It will be Global Vaccines and Vaccinations, the Science versus the Mm -hmm. Anti-Science. The AMPC, uh, first of all, he's a great speaker, uh, and several people in the AMPC have heard him speak at other venues. Uh, But the AMPC thought this was a timely subject as we emerge from an era where The rapid development of vaccines against COVID enabled us to deal with the pandemic and among other things, get back to live meetings, but at the same time sort of fueled uh, a a politicization of vaccines and a lot of misinformation about vaccines. And since our specialty really sort of sits right in the heart of immunization and uh, and, uh, and vaccination, uh, we thought this was a great topic for this audience.
0: No, I I agree. It sounds fascinating. And we had the pleasure of having Dr. Hotez on our our podcast last year, actually, and he he touched upon some of these elements and I'm I'm sure he has even more to offer. uh, So we'll all be tuning in for that. Uh, You had mentioned the presidential initiatives and the Friday afternoon presidential plenary is titled Paradigm Shifts in Drug Allergy. What can we expect from this session?
1: Yeah, I think this is a fantastic session. So this uh, session will include Uh, Presentations uh, from Tanya Laidlaw on the uh, pathophysiology of aspirin exacerbated respiratory disease. Uh, She's been a pioneer in that area, including the use of biologics to treat the disease and also mechanisms by which biologics work. And Elizabeth Phillips, who is the uh, undisputed uh, expert in the area of severe cutaneous uh, uh, reactions, Uh, There's been a lot of scientific advances in those areas, and I think that this session is going to uh, appeal not only to the clinicians in the audience, but also to the basic and translational sciences. There's a lot of meat in that presentation.
0: Are we going to hear from uh, our our president himself during the the session as well? president will
1: also be part of that. Uh, Sorry, I neglected to mention him, but yes. Uh, this is uh, uh, his major area of emphasis, and he's a superb speaker as well.
0: Oh, fantastic. The, the plenary sessions throughout the annual meeting tend to garner significant interest. What other topics will be addressed during the other plenaries uh, on the other days?
1: Right. So there will be three uh, plenary sessions apart from the presidential plenary. Uh, one will focus on the impact of global climate change on allergic diseases, um, Another will focus on recent advances in the the pathophysiology and treatment of atopic dermatitis, which is always a major draw to this audience. And the third one uh, will focus on advances in food allergy, again, an area of uh, tremendous interest to the quad AI constituencies, both scientific and uh, clinical.
0: No, absolutely and of course you know we don't want to exclude any sessions on purpose while we ha- while we have this conversation but you know in the interest of time we just simply can't list every session and people can go to the, the online planning um, the website to look at the the meeting and, and agenda and things like that but are there other sessions that the planning committee has been particularly excited about that we can look forward to?
1: well, we're excited about all the programming <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Sure>. <laughs> we,
1: we think we think it's a terrific scientific program um, I, I think uh, a, you know, one of the uh, one of the sessions, one of the symposia, will be uh, will feature uh, the recipients of the 2020 uh, Foundation Awards, uh, who will present uh, the progress in their uh, research. I think that's a a really exciting opportunity to see these rising stars and uh, and what they've been able to accomplish with, through the generosity of the Academy and the Foundation. And we're also very excited about the the pre recorded content because. Um, Uh, there again there i think uh i encourage the committee to get creative in terms Mm -hmm. of their formats and uh you know, there are probably going to be uh, formats that will be trialed in the uh, pre-recorded session, and then perhaps uh, moved into the regular programming in future years.
0: Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, I like that sort of trial period and, and see what the see what the feedback is like. Hey, another highlight of the annual meeting, uh, as if there aren't enough already, surrounds all the posters and oral abstracts that discuss new research findings. Uh, how are the abstracts going to be presented or accessed this year? Are they only available in person in the poster hall, or can people find them uh, on the mobile app or online? as well.
1: Good. Yeah, all of the above. So abstracts Mm -hmm. will be available in the mobile app after February 3rd, which is the day that they're published in the Jackie. So if you wish to preview uh, these abstracts, you can do so. Uh, The poster authors will also post digital versions of their posters and audio presentations to accompany them in a virtual poster hall as well for those not uh, attending. And this will be available in the online meeting portal along with the session recordings and the credit claiming.
0: That's great. You know, from a personal standpoint, uh, I hope we never get away from that. I think that was a a great advance during the pandemic that we adapted to, and there's almost no reason not to. It's just just great to be able to access all of them because you can't visit everybody in the enormous poster hall (laughs) during the session. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, You know, the annual meeting can be a bit daunting at first glance, especially for those who have never been there before, due to the number of sessions, the size of the conference venue in San Antonio is rather large and spread out and the number of attendees. So what advice do you have for those who are attending their first meeting or haven't been there for several years on how to navigate all of this?
1: Yeah, don't go there cold. Uh, (laughs) Start preparing, uh, you know, with a few days at least uh, in advance, because I think the... um, The meeting app and the online planner are both very helpful tools. Uh, And as you go through the program, you know, picking out the sessions that are kind of can't miss for you and that are specific to your areas of interest and tailoring your itinerary to meet both your educational needs and networking opportunities. Um, So I think uh, the the tools are helpful, but starting with at least a few days uh, in in advance is, is really helpful.
0: Mm-hmm. And if I may add, uh, double check the location. Uh, I may or may not have, you know, hopped in a cab, rushing into a 7 a.m. committee meeting at one of the annual meetings only to find out it was at a completely different venue. But I won't admit to that. Uh, but yeah, double check the venue before you go or the, the meeting room, I should say. <laughs>
1: yeah, I fully agree. I mean, one of the one of the nice things about the uh, San Antonio venue is that the hotels are in very close proximity to the uh, convention center. So um uh, if you have to make a mad dash cuz you went someplace incorrectly it probably won't take you very long.
0: Right. Yes. Uh many attendees also look forward to the annual run walk and other foundation events. What can we expect this year?
1: Uh, uh extra hydration it's going to be <laughs> warm.
0: um
1: uh I think uh, the um uh the 2020 Foundation Award Winners Special Symposium is another highlight that I mentioned before, uh, which uh, really is an opportunity to see the fruits of the Quad Foundation's efforts. Um, so, uh, again, uh, as, and as always, the, the dinner is a highlight and uh, the walk run, for those of us that can still do it, <laughs> mm. is a really nice thing to participate in.
0: If I recall, last time we were there, it, it, the walk run takes place right behind the Convention Center in this beautiful park area. Is that is that right? Is that where it's going to be?
1: I'm pretty sure that's correct, yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was gorgeous. So I encourage yeah. everybody to, to think about attending. Uh, what about uh, just San Antonio in general? Uh, do you have any particular areas that you suggest people visit or other tips for those making their first trip to the city? I mean, of course, everybody's going to go to sessions all day every day. Uh, but <laughs> when they're looking to explore other aspects of their other of visit there, what do you recommend? Sure.
1: So if you're looking for uh, uh, you know brief uh, distractions and and, mm-hmm. and fun visuals, the, um, uh, the Riverwalk, uh, which is right adjacent to the convention center, is really fun and lovely, and interesting shops and interesting restaurants to see. Um, uh, and of course, the you know San Antonio is a historically very important city. It's where the Alamo is. The Alamo has a wonderful exhibition and tour if you have the time to do that. Um, that's a that's a highlight.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you have any sense? Uh, I know it's a, a few weeks out from when we're recording this, but generally, what's the weather like uh, late February, early March?
1: I mean, it should be, uh, it should be dry, um, although one never knows these days. You <laughs> might get a deluge. Um, and I think the temperatures will probably be, at least in the daytime, probably in the 70s uh, or so. So it should be nice and comfy. Yeah,
0: too- we're going we're gonna to hold you to that. If it's chilly and rainy, oh. uh, we're going to come find you.
1: <laughs> I'm not a meteorologist and I don't play one on TV, so.
0: <laughs> um, well, I think this has been a great conversation to get people excited about the meeting. And I love what you said about, you know, plan ahead. Uh, hopefully this gets people to at least go to the, the website and, and uh, download the app and start looking at things. But on more of a personal note, when did you begin your role as chair of the Annual Meeting Program Committee and how many more years do you get to serve in that role?
1: So uh, you you spend two years as vice chair and then two years as chair. So mm-hmm. um I actually started my activities um, uh, right at the same time as the two, uh, 2020 meeting that got canceled. Mm. And so I worked with Len Baccaria for two years uh, as the vice chair and watched him very skillfully uh, navigate uh, the ins and outs of creating an entirely online um, version of the meeting which we did in 2021, and then the first one back in 2022. So I learned at at, at his feet, uh, very, very very capable chair. Uh, this is my first year as chair, and I will do one more year after this, and then I will hand the gavel over to my colleague Julie Wang, who's the vice chair.
0: All right. Um, what have you enjoyed most about being a part of the annual meeting program committee? Uh, whether it's just as a member or as chair, or you know, what are what do you think of of participating in this role?
1: I think what's special about it is uh, it's a committee that brings together a a really diverse crew of people with very different scientific backgrounds and clinical interests. And their focus is just to create the best possible programming to suit the needs of the entire Quad AI constituency, which is not a simple thing to do because you have everything from, you know, Basic scientists to private practice talks, mm-hmm. and how do you strike that balance? And I think the committee, uh, as as it is composed, is 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 really uh, uh, quite successful at striking that uh, that balance. I mean, you'll always you'll always hear, you know, there's not enough basic science, or you know, this talk wasn't clinical enough for me. There's always going to be that, but then you know. I think for the vast majority, uh, the the content uh, really works for them. Mm
0: -hmm. What if uh, folks who are listening or or others that are interested um, to becoming involved in both the actual program committee or or even just submitting ideas for sessions? What advice do you have to to those to the membership?
1: So the academy is very much uh, by and for its membership, and that means that anybody, uh, even at the trainee level. Uh, can submit proposals for sessions. Uh, The website opens immediately following uh, the meeting. And that's often a time, again, where people come home inspired and thinking about, oh, we should plan a session for next year. Um, And and so anybody can propose sessions. And you can propose sessions where you're one of the speakers or you're one of the Mm -hmm. moderators if you want to get yourself on the map. For a lot of us who are senior, when we propose sessions, we uh, propose them with our, you know, our junior investigators as, as speakers, as a way of sort of getting them some, some visibility. Um, I would also encourage people who are interested in this process to become involved in their uh, interest section because that's really the grassroots organizations that uh, sort of formulate uh, the plans for uh, the scientific programming and also uh, uh, select uh, members to represent them Uh, on the annual meeting programming committee.
0: Okay, great advice for those who are interested. Well, Dr. Boyce, this is is really great. Thanks for taking the time to be with us today. We're all looking forward to being together in San Antonio, either in person or virtually. And I think that this was a great way to kick things off. Is there anything else you'd like to add?
1: Come to the meeting, folks.
0: We'll see you there. (laughs) Sounds great. Thank you again. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. Please visit www.aaai.org for show notes and any pertinent links from today's conversation. If you like the show, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify so you can receive new episodes in the future. Thank you again for listening.